Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. Welcome in, welcome in. It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast brought to you by Casey Beer Co., the Kansas City Beer Company, the largest independent brewery in Kansas City with some great beer. I am going with the Elder Weiss tonight. I don't know if you got you boys have had that yet. It's a, the Amber Buck Wheat Ale. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, great minds think alike. What do you think, Verderan? It's very good, very good. I, uh, I'm a, I'm a big fan. Beer. It's the, uh, I, I got my, my Casey Beer yesterday. And I waited till this podcast crack open the first one, and the Edelweiss spoke to me, and so here I am. It's it's excellent. Yeah, it's the Edelweiss. I call it the El- the Elderweiss, like like the Elder Wand from Harry Potter. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> Sterling, what do you got over there? First, if it spoke to you, Matt, if your beer is speaking to you, you may need to cut back a little bit, pal. That might be the first sign of either that or you took something else. Uh, and then two, let me ask everyone in the chat: Do I do the pure pills first? Or do I do the lager first? Boy, those are both good choices. First I'm, one I I'm see, a, I'm, I'm cracking. I'm a pills guy myself. I like the pills. We mentioned it in our in our ad, but really both of those are good for washing down some barbecue. But I love like if I'm having wings or ribs or something like that, Pilsner's my go-to. Mm, I see Pilsner first. It's getting cracked. Let's go. Oh, somebody said both at the same time. What am I supposed to walrus it right here? What's this show about <laughs> now? We're talking football. <laughs> yeah, and you're not you're not getting uh, you're not getting you're not getting paid to come up with new new beers for Casey Beer Co. Like that, uh, you know, they'll have to up their support if you're going to be over there mixing and matching and, and designing new flavors. Um, what's up, everybody out there? It's the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Appreciate your support. Um, make sure you head on over to Apple iTunes and leave us a review over there. We'd appreciate that. A written review. Ask us questions about football or beer or cereal, and we'll answer them on the podcast. Ask Sterling about obscure music references. Ask Matt Connor about really bad dad jokes and puns. It's all here for you. Um, also, some football talk as well. So, boys, it's a big, uh, it, it, it's a big one. We've got, uh, we've got the, the playoffs this week. We already previewed the whole AFC field for everybody. So we've got to talk a little bit about Chief Steelers. But I wanted to ask you, did you guys hear the comments this this week from, from our boy Ben Roethlisberger about how the Steelers have no chance to beat the Chiefs and that they're 14 out of 14 in the playoffs? I, I, you know, all the Steelers fans, of course, are online and they're like, he was being sarcastic. And I'm sure that he was. But I was watching the clip. I think he believes it. What do you guys think? I mean, I think he's being sarcastic. But I also think he's right in the sense that they are the 14th out of 14 playoff teams, and they are not 20-point underdogs, but they're the biggest underdogs in wildcard history. And Frank Schwab over at Yahoo, I thought, did a nice job of making his picks, which I, I encourage you to read, Frank. He does a nice job. He pointed out that teams that are double-digit underdogs in the wildcard round are 2-8. and eight. It, it, They typically are 
they, they typically get beat up for a reason. Look, Roethlisberger's trying to play the old psychology card of we're no good. How could we possibly win? There's no way we could do it. And, and, and fine. And then Deontay Johnson today flat out was like, yeah, we're going to win the game. So two different tacks taken. I don't blame Roethlisberger for going that route, but like n- none of this crap matters. If the Chiefs go out and play well, they're going to smoke Pittsburgh. And I think I think the Steelers would kind of deep down know that, but yeah, that's why they play the game. Sterling, I want to ask you, and before I do, I just want to read the full quote because it's funny. <clears throat> he said, we've discussed it, but I would assume as a group, you understand that we probably aren't supposed to be here. We're probably not a very good football team. Out of the 14 teams that are in, we're probably number 14. We're double-digit underdogs in the playoffs. So let's just go play and have fun and see what happens. Which, by the way, I saw that um, Najee Harris saw this, apparently didn't pick up on the sarcasm, and briefly posted on his Instagram, I think, like, bro, WTF, and then took it down, <laughs> uh, which yeah. is just hilarious. What, what, what are your thoughts on this old, this comment? Very interesting stuff. Ain't no probably about it. They are number 14. I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to play the mega underdog card. You know how the Eagles, they had the underdog with the Chris Long hat and the dog. Everyone likes to play the underdog card. There's not a a team in the history of the – the Chiefs are trying to play the underdog card because they're they're number two seed in the AFC, right? Everyone tries to find any sort of advantage to get their team hyped, to try and get in the head of their opponent. Personally, I like what Deontay Johnson said. He basically said, once we win, there's no more room on the bandwagon. Either you're on now or you're not. Don't come on once we win. I like the confidence. Like, I, I know he knows they're the underdogs. They're not expected to win, but you have to have that confidence, right? You want to give yourself some sort of, this is why we're here. We deserve to be here, right? I know we're the worst team in the playoffs, but we're in the playoffs. If I'm going to go one of the two routes, I'm going Deontay's. Yeah, and I mean, like, what are these guys supposed to say, right? Like, I'm sure Roethlisberger's pissed off. He's sick of hearing. I'm sure that's all he's hearing all week about how they've got no chance. I mean, they they hear about the line that comes out in your your 13-point underdogs, and they know they got their asses kicked by the Chiefs earlier this season. But what was funny to me about what Roethlisberger said, even though he was being sarcastic, it's all dead on true. Like, it's actually like, that's not a bad way to put it. It's like, yeah, we're not very good. We made the playoffs because a miracle happened and the Jaguars beat the Colts. And, you know, we got housed by this team. But you know what? Like like you guys, like Matt was saying, that's why they play the games. The, this is still a dangerous football team. They won enough games to get into the playoffs. It doesn't matter. Like, doesn't matter how they did it. They won enough games to get in the playoffs. And if you go out there and you, like, for example, the last time the Chiefs and the Steelers played, there were five fumbles. The Chiefs recovered all five of the fumbles. No team is going to win when that happens. The Chiefs go out there and fumble a bunch of times, and the Steelers get the ball bouncing their way. Next thing you know, you could be bounced out of the playoffs. So you can't go in there and play sloppy football against any NFL team and expect that you're just going to win because the other guy is backed into the playoffs. Let's let's be real. The Steelers are not a dangerous team. The Steelers are not good by playoff standards. The, the, the fear I would have, if I have any fear from a Chiefs standpoint in this game, is the Chiefs just totally overlook them. They're just already thinking about who they're going to play the following weekend because they already pounded Pittsburgh a few weeks ago. And it becomes one of these things where, yeah, we're going to say all the right things in the media, but deep down we're already thinking about Buffalo or whoever's coming in here next. And yeah, we'll get Pittsburgh fine. Fair, you know, see you later. Get out of here. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of you. That's a really good way to be down 10 nothing in the first quarter. And then all of a sudden you're in a game and you're in a street fight. If the Chiefs are focused, they're going to win this game. They're just better than him. I, I have 
I've looked around before this podcast just to see like how many people are picking Pittsburgh to win. The only person I can see at a big outlet that has picked the Steelers to win is Mike Florio. And he and in his writing of it, wrote literally literally wrote, they have no business winning the game. I just think Roethlisberger is going to have a fairy tale ending to his career. Like, okay, fine. I mean, but that's not look, the the only fear you should have, in my opinion, is that the Chiefs just completely overlook this game. And it's one of these deals where the Steelers are super fired up because they know if they're not, they're going to get crushed. And then Kansas City goes out and lacks a day's goal and they turn the ball over and they take penalties. And it's it's 13-7 Pittsburgh at halftime. But if the Chiefs come out and play well, there's a reason it's a 13-point spread. That's it. Like th- There's... There's nobody other than a Chiefs fan who doesn't think the Chiefs are going to win this. Like, like Chief fans are nervous. Nobody. There's no. There's no like Browns fan who's looking at this game going, God, if I were the Chiefs fans, I'd be nervous about this one, <laughs> right? Like it, it doesn't. You're nervous because you're a Chiefs <laughs> fan, and if you lose, you go home. But there's nobody who's a Washington fan going, Wow, you know, if I were the Chiefs, I'd really be quaking in my boots. You, you wouldn't be. Let's be honest. Mahomes has somewhat put to rest the previous insecurities and for good reason that Chiefs fans have had in the playoffs, right? Mahomes has pretty much solved all of the Marietta pass to himself, the Ford progress, the big Ben Steelers field goal game, the Eric Fisher hold. They put to rest the Indianapolis Colts where Andrew Luck again fumbled to himself and somehow scored a touchdown. Mahomes fixes pretty much all of those past insecurities. That's the issue, or I would say, zero issue I see here is even if the Chiefs get down 10 nothing, say they even they come out slow because they've shown in the past in playoff games just come out slow in the first half Steelers don't have the offense to go up 21 nothing. remember when the Texans right. went up what was it 24-0 first half yep. whatever it was Steelers ain't doing that I, I just can't see a way the Steelers go up a big amount and they just and the Chiefs find themselves in this hole they can't climb out of I don't see that happening it, it's very unlikely but again this is the NFL, man. Like, I know the Steelers' offense stinks. I know their offensive line isn't very good. Like, I know all the, I know the Chiefs kicked their asses just a couple weeks ago. But, you know, ask the, ask the Jacksonville Jaguars if, if a team's got no chance. Steelers are way better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know what I mean? Like, the Chiefs went out there and struggled last week against the Broncos, whose offense is pitiful. And Drew Locke can't throw the football. So, like, you know, you can't. Yeah, we can sit here and we all know the Chiefs are better. The Chiefs are way better. If the Chiefs play their best game, if the Chiefs even play a mediocre game for them, they're probably still going to win. But I, you know, I wouldn't be too, too, too confident. And it's, it's still the playoffs. This is a team that won enough games to make it to the playoffs. And they've got some, you know, they got some guys who can play. You know, Deontay Johnson's good. TJ Watt did not, he played 55% of the snaps the first time these teams played. He gets a strip sack on Mahomes. The offense is out of joint. There's a lot of bad things that could happen to the Chiefs. Again, I'm not. I'm not suggesting the Steelers are going to win, but I'm saying that you know we shouldn't act like it's just going to be a cakewalk. Like let's just get the brass tacks with this game. If the Chiefs don't shit their pants, they're going to win this game. I mean, let's just be honest. If the Chiefs lose this game, it is a full on pants shitting. It is. Like they're they're not losing this game because the Steelers go in there and play unbelievable football. Like Roethlisberger has no arm. Like, I have sat here for three days trying to think of reasons, literally trying to think of a reason why the Chiefs could lose this game without, like, three-plus turnovers and a bunch of penalties. I've got nothing. I really, really have. It would take the Chiefs having an 
all-time meltdown to lose this game. It would, And it's not because Pittsburgh doesn't have some players. Hayward, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated players in football. I think he should be a Hall of Famer when he retires. Watt is amazing. Minka Fitzpatrick is an excellent safety. The problem is, of the other eight guys on that defense, there's just not a lot of good players. Like, Wormley's good. Hayden's fine. He's not the same guy he once was. Devin Bush is nowhere near the player he was before he tore his ACL last year. And offensively, look, I like their weapons. Juju Smith-Schuster came back to practice today. Now, we don't know if he's going to be able to play in the game or not, but he's back. He was supposed to be out all season long, and now he's back. I got to be honest. I don't care if Jerry Rice suits up for them on Sunday. They have no quarterback. He can't throw the ball. I was looking at the numbers before we came on the pod. They are bottom five in like every meaningful offensive category. Yards per carry, yards per attempt, yards per per completion. They are dead last in the NFL. Yards per drive, points per drive. They're bottom 10 in red zone offense, third down offense. I think they're 18th, which is like the high water market is offense. They are brutal. Najee Harris has not practiced all week with an elbow injury. Trey Turner now all of a sudden did not practice today. Their star guard with a knee injury. And their offensive line is hideous. He's probably the best guy on it. The only concern I have is do the Chiefs completely sleepwalk because they just think this game's already over. And then also on the injury front, look, I'm not too worried about Alaire, whether he plays or doesn't play. It feels like they're going to have Darrell Williams. They have Gore, they have McKinnon, they're fine. Hill going from full practice to limited today isn't great. I don't know whether or not that's just one of those, like, kind of give him a half-day deals or if it's like he actually is more aggravated than they want to let on. But when they played the Steelers last time, everybody keeps talking about this game. The Chiefs did not have Kelsey. Hill had two receptions before they throttled him down after the first drive of the game. They didn't have Nick Bolton. They didn't have Butker. They didn't have Townsend. None of it mattered. They beat the doors off Pittsburgh. That game was 36-3, to <laughs> and they yanked their starters after the third quarter. They could have beaten them by 50 points if they wanted to. And that doesn't mean they're going to do it again. But look. This is a playoff game. If you lose, you go home. And they could lose. They could turn it over a bunch. They could have a, a ba- you know a bad luck play happen, a, a return go against them. But should they win this game? Yeah, they should kill them. They should. It doesn't mean they will, but they should beat the brakes off Pittsburgh. If they play a B game or better, they should win this game without much agita. Has there been any indication from the Chiefs that they're overlooking the Steelers, though? No, no, there hasn't been. Not at all. It's just my Andy concern. Reed, no. Andy Reid's not going to. That's that my happen. point. That's the biggest concern we have is if the Chiefs yeah. overlook the Steelers. Andy Reid ain't letting that happen. Andy is too no. focused. Hell, Eric Bieniemy got asked about his coaching prospects and basically said, "Bleep off! We're talking about the Steelers. We have a football game coming up. This team knows what's at stake. They're not going to overlook the Steelers as much as fans." Local media, national media want to say the game's over before it's played. Chiefs know it's played in between the numbers. They're smart. They know it's win or go home. They'll take care of business. And the Chiefs don't really have, especially since Mahomes came in, the Chiefs don't have a bad loss under Andy Reid with Mahomes. They've always lost to, to, to good teams. They've not overlooked a single opponent. You know, but the closest they came to overlooking anybody was when they we fell down to the Texans the year they won the Super Bowl. You know, getting off to some of those slow starts and not coming well, out firing. But other than that, they take care of that's business. That's the kind of game you worry about in the sense, not even forget even for a second overlooking things. But like, if you remember that the start of that game, they dropped a million passes. Hill them off the punt. They got a punt blocked. They blew a coverage that led to a big third down touchdown. Now, thankfully, you know, they were them and scored 51 points in the blink of an eye and it just didn't matter. 
But that's that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. If the Chiefs are focused and play well, this game's a wrap. I, look, privately, I'm sure when the Steelers, when Mike Tomlin and the coaching staff get together, not that they would, of course, feel that way, but I'm sure they're sitting in there saying right now, look, if we're going to win this game, we're going to have to we're going to have to steal a possession. We're going to have to do some things, which leads me to one point I want to make. The Chiefs should be ready for anything in this game. Anything. Trick plays, fake field goals, fake punts. like Because if you're the Steelers, look, Tomlin's a damn good football coach. He's a great coach. He understands they're outmatched. Like anybody who's honest with themselves knows they're outmatched in this game. They're going to have to steal a couple of possessions. Now, maybe they can do it with a turnover. Maybe they can do it with a fake punt, whatever. They understand that to win this game, they're not going to be able to play Casey straight up and and win this game with it. You know, if, if they're even in the turnover battle, look, I it is the NFL. Anything can happen, but let, let's just be real. If the Chiefs play a good game and it's a solid game, it doesn't have to be spectacular. It's just a solid game. They will win this game. They need to be making mistakes, and then Pittsburgh's got to play well on top of it. Those are the things. That will that will propel the Steelers. If the Chiefs don't turn the ball over and they minimize their penalties, like I would be really conservative in this game. I would not take a bunch of big chances. Like you just don't want to give them a short field, defensive points. Like if you have to punt and you pin them at the twenty, fine. Make Roethlisberger go eighty yards yeah. with it. You know, I mean, the, the odds that they're going to do that more than once in the game are are minimal. That's just that's just how I see it. But I I think the Chiefs are in great position. I think that's a really good point. Take care of the football. You don't need to do anything crazy. Let the game come to you a little bit. They, you know, don't get frustrated. Don't start pressing. That's where the Chiefs run into trouble. We're going to get into the nitty gritty of it here. Let's give it kind of an overview. Obviously, we know that um, the Chiefs handled the Steelers thirty-six to ten just a couple of weeks ago. For the Steelers, in you know, they they their best win was Week One against Buffalo, and they had to have some crazy things happen. They blocked a punt or, or a kick or something that led to a touchdown um, in Week One. Um, yep. They beat the Broncos. They beat the Seahawks. They beat the Browns, fifteen to ten. They beat the Bears. They beat the Ravens, as we know. Lamar Jackson has been has been banged up. They beat the Ravens twice, and uh, they beat they did uh, they did beat the Titans, nineteen to thirteen, and uh, and they beat the Browns again. So uh, four of their nine wins came against the Ravens and the Browns, and they tied with the Lions at um, home losses to. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and, yeah, and the Lions Losses missed a field goal the, in overtime. Yeah, I watched that game. Right. I'm still in therapy over it. Yeah, that's the only reason that the the Steelers are in the playoffs. Actually, is because of that tie. Because they only had the seven losses. Um, they lost to the Raiders. They lost to the Bengals. They lost to the Packers. The Chargers. The Bengals again. They lost to the Vikings. They lost to the Chiefs. So all the best teams they played, with the exception of the Bills and the Titans, those are good wins for them. And those are wins where they made it ugly and they didn't have to score a lot of points. And that, you know, kind of brings us to the the, the, the Chiefs offense versus the Steelers defense. Not a lot of, of, of resistance the last time these two teams played. But again, we did mention they were sort of with TJ Watt was not 100%. The guy's been an absolute monster all yep. year. Now he's going to be lining up across from Andrew Wiley, who, who struggled against premium pass rushers in the soul last year with Lucas Niang on IR. So, Verderam, what do you do if you're the Chiefs knowing? And Well, I will add, Wiley's been playing really well. He's not been a problem while he's been at right tackle. But TJ Watt's a problem for everybody. Yes. So what do, you, what do you do to take care of Andrew Wiley and Patrick Mahomes to make sure Watt can't impact this game? 
So what would I do if I'm the Chiefs with TJ Watt? I would I would just chip him a lot. Um, I would chip with the backs. Look, I would play Jarek McKinnon a lot in this game. He's a really good blocker, and he's physical as hell. He's not afraid to put it into a guy. He's not afraid to put that shoulder right in the chest. I, I think you play him, especially on third down. I think I think you also you chip with the tight ends. But if I'm the Chiefs in this game, I would I would do a lot of short passing and run the, running the ball. The Steelers could not stop it the last time they played, and the Chiefs didn't have Kelsey, and they barely had Hill. I would I would be more than content. You know who the worst run defense in football is? Pittsburgh. They give up an even six yards a carry. Six mm. yards. I would just I'd run the ball at them. I wouldn't be afraid because look, you run the ball while you slow a team down. You slow down that pass rush. The quick throws. All of a sudden, it becomes a lot harder to get a pass rush. You're getting you're getting rid of the ball quickly. So if I'm Kansas City on plays, that I think are going to be longer developing. I would chip. I'd keep it back in. Um, but everything else, I would run the ball. I'd be I'd get rid of the ball quickly. Look, they have Wormley's a good player. He had seven sacks this year, and Cam Hayward's a beast inside. But they're going against the Chiefs' strength, which is the interior of the offensive line. I would trust that group to be okay and to be fine and Brown to be good on the left side against Highsmith. It's mostly just chipping on Watt. I think you can handle that and get rid of the ball and just and just make the Steelers have to beat you another way. I, I think if they do that, if they can neutralize Watt to some extent, look, he's going to make his plays. He's great. But if you can, if you can kind of neutralize him on a lot of those quick throws, I think you're fine. You know, you, what you don't want to do in this game is get yourselves into third and long because then you are forced to have to deal with him, and that's when strip sacks happen. That's when picks happen. To me, if you're the Chiefs, you want to, if you want to stay out of that, that situation where they can just pin their ears back, and that starts with running the ball, and it starts with just a quick passing game. Really? Uh, what do you think? I, are you how are you defending what? Uh, first of all, I hope that sound wasn't someone spilling their beer because that'd be very sad. Uh, to, it was. I knocked. Good. I knocked over my beer. I got it pretty oh, quick. Doing some Patrick, over here. That's gold, I know, I know. liquid gold. Luckily, I got sir. a whole refrigerator, whole refrigerator full of them down there. No, I, yeah. I'm with I'm with Matt. You got to chip TJ Watt. He's incredible, right? Without TJ Watt, how many games do the Steelers win? Five, six. I mean, T.J. Yeah. Watt was an absolute game changer all season long. I like McKinnon. I'm with you. He's probably the best pass blocker on this team at running back. He's, he is very physical, as we saw last game. He's obviously very fresh as well. I, I think we're going to see a lot of what we saw last week with is McCole Hardman. That same play four or five times. They're not going to try and put the ball into harm's way. You do those quick, easy outs, wide receiver screens to McCole, let him do his thing. Uh, maybe Byron Pringle, a lot of those intermediate routes type of routes that Sammy Watkins was thriving here in Kansas City. And then, like you said, Travis Kelsey over the middle. But don't put the ball in harm's way. There's no reason in this game to try and force the ball to Tyreek Hill down the field. No reason. If it's there, take it. But if he's doubled, there's no reason. Yeah, right. Yeah, especially if he's banged up in this game. You, you have to wonder if they're going to be thinking about using him as a decoy a little bit on some plays if, if, if they want him just to heal up a little bit and don't want him planning and cutting. It doesn't sound like it's serious. Maybe they're just managing it. Did you see the clip before the last game where he was, you know, in warmups jumping really high with Harbin and you know, they mentioned in the broadcast, well, you he think hurt? He, he hurt his, his heel there. Is that confirmed that that's where he got hurt? I feel like I, I, I'm not hundred percent sure. I feel like it was, I feel like somebody said that, but I, I can't, I can't remember who, so I don't want to say hundred percent, but I, I thought I heard somebody either at CBS during the game 
or ESPN during the game, rather. I thought it was. I thought that was said is like that's what happened, but maybe I'm wrong. I know you and I are about to do some he said he said stuff right here. I think that was the reaggravation of the injury, but I was. I thought I heard this was a similar injury he's had ongoing from, I think it was a 2019 season. You know how he occasionally will limp off the field here and there. You know, occasionally it looks like he's a 73-year-old man when he comes off the field. <laughs> I, I yeah. think this is a similar injury he suffered. Because remember that Ravens game when he had that bleep it Tyreek down there somewhere and he kept coming off and on? Yeah, Andy Reid talked about this. Yes, yes, exactly. 20, in 2018, when he 2018. got 2018, yeah. and so, but I think this may have been a reaggravation of a previous injury. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Maybe don't do the jumping really high and warm ups. Like save that for <laughs> catching touchdown passes. It was an amazing clip, though. My God, these guys are so athletic. He was like 20 feet off the ground. It seemed like dude's like Absolutely five nine amazing. and can windmill yeah. dunk. Like it's incredible. Yeah. Um, incredible. So, you know, when it comes to the Chiefs offense in this one, you know, Kansas City finished in the top six in both points per game and total yards per game for the fifth straight season. That's tied for the second longest streak in the Super Bowl era. San Francisco Francisco did it six straight times from 91 to 96. And and I think that that's the the big thing in this game. But when it comes to the running game, as you mentioned, Matt, the Steelers are not good at stopping the run, but the Chiefs find themselves in sort of like a little bit of a weird situation. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is coming back. Darrell Williams has been performing well. We've noted on this podcast, Darrell Williams finished the season with over 1,000 yards yep. from scrimmage. He turned out to be uh, quite good in the passing game, but he still averaged less per carry than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is over four yards per carry. Darrell Williams is under three yards per carry. How do you guys want to see the distribution of the handoffs in a game like this? I'm going to start with Sterling. I'm going to say, I'm going to let Sterling take this since he's talked about this many times. Yeah. Again, I'm going to sound like an uh, uh, economist and say it's a sunk cost. Bleep the first rounder. It's the hot hand. Whoever comes out, if Daryl comes out first drive and just ripping off seven, eight yard gains, that's who you're going with. If Clyde comes out, Doing the same thing. That's who you're going with. I don't care. I do. Would, or I guess I would like to see a lot of McKinnon on third downs. I think McKinnon is the best third down back on this roster. But when it comes to actually running the football, who gives a shit? Get your yeah. six yards and get out of there. That's all that matters. I, I agree completely. Like this kind of is the same way I feel when when we get in these like conversations about like, well, why isn't Josh Gordon doing something? It's like I don't care. I don't care who's catching the football. Like I, it doesn't matter to me. And look, the the difference between Williams and Alaire, like Alaire four point three, three point nine for Williams. I know part of that. Part of that is because they give the ball a lot of times to Williams in short yarded situations. You know, if if you only need, you know, if it's a run design for two yards, like that's the way it's going to be. I to me, right, Williams is the better player. Period. Williams just—he's he's a more dynamic player. But I gotta tell, like, I'm fine with their backs. Their backs are good. Like, I Williams is good. He's not great. Like, I'm not shilling for him to make an All Pro team or anything. But he's a good player. You know that he can—he can catch the ball. McKinnon does not have a huge role in this team, but I love the way he blocks. And he's—and he—I'll tell you one thing. You saw it in the Denver game. That guy when he's out in the open space, he's a hard guy to bring down. And Gore is a guy that we all want to see more of. So I don't care. I would start with Williams. If he's rolling right, let it roll. Like I play him. 
I don't care. And you know what? If if Edwards Alaire plays and he starts and he's got five carries for 35 yards, give him the damn ball. I, that's how I, I don't care. Just play whoever is wrong. But I would start with Williams. Can I say this really quickly? Uh, would we have the same thoughts if Clyde was used in the same way as Daryl Williams is? It's hilarious. Daryl Williams was always a joke that he literally couldn't catch the football. They basically said he had bricks for hands, and now he's this basically wide receiver number two. And Clyde came in, predicted to be this phenomenal pass catching back, but he hasn't been utilized and in that way. Do you think part of our viewpoint on Clyde is the fact that they haven't used him in the way that he might have been promised? I think so. Yeah, I, I think I think a lot of that. I think I think Clyde gets a little bit of an unfair rap. Like you look at his actual yards per carry, and it's it's the best on the team. And yet people are like, he's terrible, he sucks. And I think it has to do with with expectations, right? If 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 there was somebody else out there that was was not living up to expectations, that Clyde was coming in and averaging four point three yards per carry, Chiefs fans were like, we need to get more more Clyde, more Clyde. I think the running game. I my opinion is that Chiefs fans in general are just not happy with the running game on this team. We've been spoiled. Well, it doesn't seem like it's effective, all those types of things. This is not a running team. I know they have the offensive line for it and all those things. I know they probably could do it if they wanted to, but they throw the ball. They throw the ball. I think, you know, I think the only team that threw the ball more this season than the Chiefs were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They throw the ball like 60 60 some percent of the time, 68, 64, something crazy like that. I just saw a stat today. So it's hard to get into a rhythm. They're running in certain situations and it's just not what they do. They're not the Browns. They're not the Titans. They have Patrick Mahomes. Your best chance on any given play is to put the ball in 15's hands and try to get the ball to Travis Kelsey and to Tyree Kill, right? It just is. It's always the second option is the running game. So I think Clyde's been a little bit of a victim of of circumstance about where he was drafted and the team that he's on. I mean, look, he, he's not been he's not been what they thought he would be. You know, let's yeah. just be honest. He my biggest problem with him sometimes, and I've said it, is there are times with him where like he has no vision. Yeah. He just slams into the line of scrimmage. You know, like Clyde, bro, take <laughs> a quarter second and don't Ray Charles it. Like just take a second, man. <laughs> the damn bus hold to your left and oh, you ran like, right. There are times with him. Like, how yeah. do you not see that? Not, look, that. I, of course, not exactly an NFL running back. Okay. So I don't pretend to know, like, oh, you know what? He should have been able to bounce it out there. Like, look, I, I'm not him. But for an NFL back, his vision is subpar. I think that's one of the nicest things about Williams lately. It's like you've seen some jump cuts out of Daryl Williams. I didn't know he possibly could have done like I've always thought of him as a guy who's kind of that plow horse straight ahead. If you need four, he'll get you four. If you need three, you know, if you need five, he'll get you four, right? Like, I always thought of him that way. Okay, Jackie Battle. That's right. That's right. I, I, I thought of Jackie him. No, Battle. No, Jackie like, Battle reference. Daryl Williams is like jump cutting and getting up field and looks like, like fairly explosive. So I would ride with him. But expectations always play a part in this stuff. They always do. McCall Hardman this year had 693 receiving yards. People treat him like he should be on a practice squad. Like somehow he's just garbage. Like he can't play it. Look, McCall Hardman's not DK Metcalf. Look, but he's a good player. Like he's he's a number three receiver, is really what he is. Okay. Which people say, well, he's not a three on the team. Well, he he is, though, if Kelsey, like Kelsey's 1,200 yards. It doesn't mean they don't need another receiver. I'd like to see them add one this offseason. But yes, expectations. Like people love Byron Pringle. Byron Pringle's fine. Byron Pringle is not as talented as McCall Hardman. 
But people act like he is because he's from K-State and he's undrafted and Hardman was a second-round pick. Hardman's a better player. Like, if they were both on the free agent market, Hardman would get a better deal. But so, but that being said, they're all rowing in the same damn boat. Like, the bottom line is, whoever's open, throw it to them. Whoever, like, whoever's hot in the backfield, give them the ball. I think sometimes we get way too caught up in, like, well, this guy should be doing this. And this guy should be doing that. Look, if you have a good offense, it all gets spread around over the course of the year. And if you look at their numbers, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and in the chat, um, Joel Gibbs said uh, that he thinks that um, that Derek Gore has the best vision on the team, and he, he just needs you know some more refinement. He could. I tend to agree with that. He could. Yeah, I, what I've what I've seen out of Gore: good jump cuts, finds the holes. He might not be the the, the fastest guy, but. I'll tell you what, vision matters in the NFL, man. Things are happening fast, and being in the right place at the right time can make a big difference. And you just you just see it. You see it when Gore gets on the field, and I think that's why he's been able to bust some big runs when the other guys haven't done that as much. He's he's seeing the hole. He's hitting it at the right time. He's he's exciting. He's exciting to think about the future. I don't think I don't think he'll find himself back on the practice squad anytime soon. No, no. And by the way, yeah, we all we all here love Jamal Charles. Right, like he was one of our all-time, yep. I mean, one of my all-time favorite chiefs. Everybody always talks about how fast Jamal Charles was. His best attribute was his vision. He had unbelievable vision. He could set guys up from five yards away. Where he would get a guy that, you know, he'd, he'd cut him into a block or then he'd cut back. Like that's by the way, it's the same thing with Tyree Kill as a receiver. Like everybody loves his speed. And his speed is incredible. Of course, it makes him another level of a player. It's his route running. That's what makes him yeah. great is how fast he can run his routes. There's a, there are a lot of guys in the NFL are fast. Yeah, I remember when the Raiders drafted Darius Hayward Bay, and people <laughs> lost. A, oh, he runs a fourth. <laughs> Darius Hayward Bay ran one route straight up the field. And that was it. Like that's, what, that's why Hill is so impossible to guard. Because if you're a corner, you know he could run a nine route. He could also run a post. He could run a corner. He could run a, he could run a shallow cross. He could run a slant. Like, you don't know what the hell he's going to do. Mike Wallace was uh, maybe not as fast as Tyree Kill, but he was damn fast. He could fly. He ran a nine route. That's what he was great at. And that's fine. He made a career out of that. He had a couple of really nice contracts out of that. But what people I think sometimes miss is it's the nuance. Yeah, sure. Jamal Charles and Tyree Kill, some of the fastest guys who ever played for the Chiefs. But it's what they do technically that makes them so great. And I think that's where, you know, some of these other faster guys, I think that's what's limited Hardman in his career. I, th- I do think he's a yeah. decent player. But his his route running, how many times have you seen McCall Hardman run just a killer slant or a great 12-yard in cut? Right, yeah. Never happens. Tyreek Hill runs that stuff all the time. He's incredible at it. Remember that route he ran against the Chargers? That guy's still picking up his jock. It was unbelievable. Yeah. He left that guy He's five incredible. yards behind him. Like That's what makes him great, and that's what makes a lot of players the difference from good and great. It's that. It's not their, fourth time. It's not their 40 time. It really isn't. Yeah, it's really incredible. Uh, Tyreek, you know, he gets one, you take one false step oh, against Tyreek Hill, it's over. He's five yards away. That's why the Chiefs like to run that play when they need a first down where he starts inside on a slant. Yep. If, if you're in one-on-one coverage out there with him, you're doomed. If he goes inside and you guess wrong, he's going to he's gonna kill you. And if he goes back outside, it's an easy first down. Um, so, yeah, just unbelievable. What were you going to say, Sterling? The progression of Tyreek Hill has been what's so impressive. Right? Yeah. No one expected this from Tyree Kill. People expected the speed of Darius Hayward Bay, but no one expected that this would come from that. And that's why I also think McCole Hardman has had such a hard time. 
Yes, he runs the wrong route. Yes, he seems to say sometimes the wrong thing in press conferences where it sounds like he's blaming Mahomes. But when you are a second-round draft pick drafted before DK Metcalf and you've seen the progression of Tyreek Hill, everyone expects you to have the exact same progression. Right. Tyreek Hill's a unicorn. He's one of one. McCole Hardman has probably had and is going to have a better career than Darius Hayward Bay, but because he's not Tyreek Hill, that's what's so difficult, I think, for him. Like, look at, and we can move on from this, but I, I remember when the Chiefs drafted Tyreek Hill in 2016. And, you know, I, I think I actually at one point went to training camp that year, but I wasn't there at the beginning of it. And I remember following along with the late, great Therese Paler, who was, you know, tweeting out his observations from practice. I remember he was just like, this guy number 10, he's no joke. Like, this guy's unbelievably fast. And like every time Therese would do like a video log from practice, he would just be like, he just smoked somebody else. Like this this guy is going to be unbelievable. You know, and it was just, the Chiefs, that was like a great time period where they had like some legendary stuff happen in camp because they had Tyreek and then they had Marcus Peters who everybody was just, I remember I went to rookie camp, or not rookie camp, but uh, training camp the year it was a rookie. And it was just like, oh my, this guy's unbelievable. This guy is intercepting every pass. Like Teicher had like a counter at one point. Like <laughs> it was, and then and then you heard about Mahomes in 2017 as a rookie, and people were like, this guy, like he's throwing <laughs> no look passes on the scout team. Like I remember Derek Johnson was like, this is insane. Like, like nothing you've ever seen. And then Veach came out with that. Like I was actually there. I was at the combine when Veach was like, he's the he's the best football player I've ever seen. And, I, and that was before he played like a meaningful snap. And I remember just, it, right. all of us were like, oh my God, like he's the best player you've ever seen. And then within a week of him actually starting, you're like, yeah, he actually might be. Like, <laughs> but they had they had some crazy camps a couple of years ago. And then, of course, the one where Mahomes was MVP, that was the year he kept throwing picks. And people were like freaking out about it. And I remember there was a, I will not say who it was because I, I don't want to throw this person on the bus. But there was a Broncos reporter who, as Mahomes was throwing picks in camp, I was like, I'll tell you who's not throwing picks in camp, Case Keenum. <laughs> I remember being like, yeah, all right, man, we'll see how it plays out. And, like, yeah. And Mahomes went on to the MVP of the league, and Case Keenum uh, did not. But the Chiefs, the Chiefs were on a heater with some of their training camps up in St. Joe's over the or like they had like Peters and Hill and Mahomes, and then like Mahomes the other direction. It was good times. Good times. As we take a look at the the quarterback comparison in this one, it's not pretty <laughs> if you're a Steelers fan. <laughs> um, as a transition yeah. for you. So uh, I'll give you quarterback A and quarterback B, and you tell me if you can figure out which quarterback plays for the Steelers and which one plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Quarterback A uh, is uh, 233.8 passing yards per game, 22 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and an 86.8 passer rating. Quarterback B averages 284.6 passing yards per game, 37 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, a 98.5 passer rate. Is A, is a guesses? Chad Henney? Oh, so I was going to say. Like Joe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I should have just thrown in like, like, you know, Matt Castle or, uh, you know, Tyler Palco or somebody to it, it, see it, how close his numbers were to Roethlisberger. Um, I mean, that tells you what you need to know, right? Aside from their team's records of nine and seven and one versus – 12 and five. Um, Roethlisberger is just, he's not a difference maker. Anymore. Oh, no, he is. He just not do, the way that they know. want him to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad, <laughs> it's a bad way. <laughs> no, I, he's horrible. But the one thing he can do still, I will, stay, I will say this, he's incredibly hard to tackle. 
that dude is hard to bring down. Your best bet is to wrap him up in a bear hug and wait for the refs to call it because even at, what what's he, 39? Yeah. Yes, 39. 39 years old, he's still a freaking tank. Yeah. Hold his arms down. You don't need to try to – you don't want him to wriggle free, right, and then and then have somebody get wide open. I agree. So when the Chiefs defense is going up against the Steelers offense, are you concerned at all about the return of Juju Smith-Schuster? Let's start with that. He's He's been a dynamic player before. Hasn't been great the last few years, but also Roethlisberger has been terrible. He was playing with Mason Rudolph. Uh, is, is he somebody that is a wild card heading into this game to give the Steelers some juice? I, I respect him. I think he's a good player. Um, but I don't care because of who his quarterback is. Like, I don't look, we've been, we've been serious and we've also joked on this podcast, but I, I'm dead serious with this. It, Roethlisberger is the worst quarterback in the playoffs right now. Like, like he hall of famer, all time. Great. That's all fine and well. He is not anywhere close to what he once was. And I will illustrate that, but here are his four last four games. And I'm only cutting it off at four games because they've won three of the last four. Okay, the only loss coming to the Chiefs against the Titans, sixteen to twenty-five, a buck forty-eight, five point nine yards in attempt, no touchdowns, no picks, sacked three times. Against the Chiefs, twenty-three to thirty-five for a buck fifty-nine, four point five yards in attempt, one touchdown, one pick, sacked twice. Against the Browns in his swan song at Heinz Field, twenty-four forty-six. Yeah, I want you to keep that last number in mind. Forty-six attempts, a hundred and twenty-three yards, two point seven yards in attempt. One touchdown, one pick. And then last week, 30 of 44 in an overtime win over Baltimore. 244 yards, 5.5 yards in attempt, one touchdown, one pick, sacked once. He has not had a QBR, which if you're not familiar with it, is 1 to 100, or actually 0 to 100. 0 being the absolute, you could not be any worse. 100 is your, you're perfect. 50 dead average, which is where a lot of quarterbacks over the course of the year, they end up, if you're a good quarterback, usually like around 50 to 55, you're really good. You're maybe between 60 and 70. Roethlisberger this year has not had one game where his QBR has been a 70, okay? He has had two, excuse me, three games above 50 all year long. His last five games, 36.4, 13.4, 14, 13.2, 33.6. And if you're worried about him running, he's run 20 times this year for five yards, okay? (laughs) So, like, look, I'm not – I'm not going to sugarcoat. He's he is the worst quarterback right now in the playoffs. I think in my last quarterback rankings for the entire NFL, I had him like 26th. He's not he if he makes a difference in this game, it's going to be for reasons that Pittsburgh does not want to see. It this game is going to be about the quick passing game. It's going to be about Najee Harris, assuming he's healthy enough to do it, running the ball. The Chiefs have to stop the run and they've got to tackle. And that's been a problem the last two weeks for the Chiefs now. They have not tackled particularly well. They have to tackle in space. If they do it, they'll be fine. Because Roethlisberger has no arm. They're not going down the field. And one thing, too, that helps Spagnuolo in this game, you don't have to worry about any outbreaking routes. He can't throw them. Like I'm, again, not, all seriousness, he cannot throw the ball outside. You don't have to worry. You can just. It's kind of like when they play like Rivers at the very end of his career, although Rivers had a better arm than Roethlisberger is now. But you could pack the middle of the field and just say, look, if you want to try to throw an up and out, go try it. Go for it. I think the Chiefs play single high in this game all day long. They bring eight guys down near the line of scrimmage and essentially say, look, you're not going to run. You're not doing wide receiver screens. You're not going to do a lot of quick stunts. I would expect the Chiefs to play a lot of zone in this game underneath. I think they'd be just fine. I really do. (laughs) 
I think Roethlisberg is the 15th best quarterback in the playoffs because I think Gardner Minshew is also better than him. Uh, yeah, you didn't you didn't you didn't factor in the bad dead series. Yeah, I would I would absolutely I would take Gardner. Gardner. I mean, first off, I, I, he, he's not the best quarterback on his own team. How many backup quarterbacks would you take? That's that's a really interesting. How many backup quarterbacks? If your life depended on you, you have to start the playoff game with one of the 14 backups right now. Who would you Gordon take Minshew. over over Roethlisberger? You would take right, you take Minshew. I don't want to get too off in the weeds here. Take I'm literally wearing a flavor saver right now. Of course, I'm taking Minshew. That's asinine. You are, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Minshew. Yeah. I would take Trey Lance just because he's a. I would take Trey Lance. I would take Trey right? Lance. I mean, right. I would all kidding Henny. aside. I would take Chad Henney. Like, I really mm-hmm. actually would yeah. take Chad. No, Henny. pump it, pump it. No, all right. No, I'm not race. taking Chad. Okay, would you take Trubisky over Ross? No, Spender I would not. Right now, Come on. <clears throat> I'm asking. Would you take Trubisky? No. No, we're not. Okay. I would with Andy Reid. With the, if, if is Andy Reid my coach? I, I kind of think keep him in the same system. I mean, would you take uh, Would you take Jordan Love? I would not. No, I would not. I, I, I would. Okay. I would take Lance and I would take Minshew, and I think that's where the the list stops. I'm just trying, yeah, we move on. I mean, it's just boring. So I'm just trying to think if there's anybody else in my head who like, oh yeah, I, you know what? Would you take Mariota? Are we running the wildcat yes. the entire game? No, I hear you, but like, is he, but like that's part it's of the, the deal. Same right? Should Kelly, my quarterback or my my head coach? I no. guess my point. Look, my point is, I think there are a lot of guys who are like more dangerous than him because the one thing with Roethlisberger that I do think really matters because these guys have given the Chiefs problems. Like Hertz, Hertz is a guy who's really mobile and can move. Locke last week, how did he hurt the Chiefs? He ran. Like that really is not when he hurt him. He didn't hurt him throwing the ball. He was terrible, but he ran for you know a couple touchdowns. Roethlisberger is the biggest statue in the NFL. You know exactly where he's going to be. They're not rolling him out. There's no RPOs off that. Like, you know, if you're Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Melvin, who, by the way, is going to be motivated to hilt in this game, like, you know yeah. exactly where he's going to be. You know exactly where he's going to be the entire game. Again, two quick things, though. I will say he is very difficult to bring down. I want to reiterate that point because it's not easy to bring him down. And then, two, they do have good receivers. Let's not make it seem like I know Big Ben's horrible at they this do. point. They have good receivers. But Deontay Johnson is an absolute playmaker. You give him the ball in space, watch what happens. He's had a history of drops. He fixed it this season until the yep. past two games. Past two games, they they popped up in crucial situations. Luckily they didn't hurt the Steelers. And Chase Claypool, I think, is a very solid wide receiver as well, as far as the deep ball in the red zone, he can go up and catch it. He can get it. And then Peter uh, Fryermuth, he's a solid tight Pat end. So, yep. Yeah. Pat. What's it? Pat Fryermuth. Pat, Pat, sorry, Pat, Pat Fryermuth. My, my point is, even if Big Ben isn't what he once was, we all can agree there. Even if his arm is worse than a 74-year-old Philip Rivers trying to shot put it down the field, he still has some weapons on that offense. That's one thing to keep in mind. He does. He, yeah, he's got weapons for sure, for sure. But to Matt's point earlier, he can't get those weapons far enough downfield for them to make a, a significant impact. The last time these two teams played, the highest average reception for any wide receiver on the Steelers was Claypool at 10.3. The Steelers receiving as a group averaged 6.9 yards uh, per reception. Deontay Johnson, 8.5. Claypool, 10.3. They have found something with Fryermuth lately. He's been helping them move the chains. I think the Chiefs yep. have to watch out for that. You know, you don't want them to nickel and dime you. They're not going to beat you deep, but you can't let them nickel and dime you. But that's that's the thing. The longest reception any Steelers receiver had the entire game was Claypool had a 24-yard reception. Everybody else under 20 yards. Johnson had an 18. 
Zach Gentry caught one for 12 and Ray Ray McLeod for 17. Remember that we was weird too in that game. They targeted Ray Ray McLeod like he was Jerry Rice out there. Uh, and that game was really, was really well, strange. No offense to Ray Ray McLeod, but yeah, Jerry Rice. Um, but and I see, you know, I, I'm laughing as I'm, I'm scrolling through the comments. I always love to read them, and I see, I see Brendan saying, "Jesus, watch Big Ben go off." Look, Brendan. I, I mean, I, I don't believe in jinxes, man. I'm sorry. Like he's not going off. He's not. Like, they, look, could the Steelers win this game? Yeah, it would take the Chiefs really playing an awful football game. It would. But yeah, sure. You know, Najee Harris runs the daylights out of the ball and the Chiefs turn the ball over and they make a bunch of mistakes. Yeah, it's possible. You know, maybe the Steelers pass rush, they lead the league in sacks. Maybe the Steelers have a pass rush game where they're just unbelievable and it like and, and they, they sack Mahomes a half dozen times. The Chiefs offense is really good. But I, I just try to be realistic. Like, he's not going off. He's thrown for 300 yards twice this year. And in both games, the one game he threw for 300 yards was against Cincinnati when they lost 41-10 and he literally almost <laughs> threw the ball 60 times. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. He's not He's not going off. He has no arm left. It's not. I'm not bashing the dude just to bash him. I'm being honest. Like, he physically cannot do it anymore. It's not like, like, okay, so last week I ripped into Drew Locke about that he's terrible. And Drew Locke is terrible. But one thing with Drew Locke is physically he's got the attributes. Like, he can run. He's got a big arm. Roethlisberger has none of that. None of it. Like he can't run. Yeah. He doesn't have a big arm. He's not. The, you know, I have Steeler fans who are friends of mine in my life who are like, "Well, I don't understand why they don't throw the ball deep." It's like, are you? Have you watched Roethlisberger? <laughs> Did anyone? Does anyone remember? And I'll, I'll we move on. But there was a game earlier this year. I think it was November against the Bears on Monday Night Football. It was at Heinz Field, and Roethlisberger dropped back and threw a ball down the field. And I forget who the receiver was. I want to say it was Deontay Johnson, but it might have been somebody else. And Roethlisberger reared back and threw the ball. Like you, like if Mahomes did it, you would have thought, like, my God, he's going to throw this ball 80 yards in the air. Johnson had to, like, dive back toward the line of scrimmage, and it was like a gain of, like, 37. <laughs> like, it was everything he had to throw the ball. My point is, this idea that Roethlisberger, because it would make for a fun story, is going to come out and just start gunning it. Like, that's just not going to happen. That's not happening. It's going right. to be 15 friggin' degrees, and he's 39 and hasn't had any zip for two years. Like, the idea that Roethlisberger is going to come out and look like Favre in this game is just nuts. Like, that's not happening. If they win, it's not going to be because of that. It'll be a lot of other things. Yeah, I mean, he had, he had games. Uh, you know, he averaged 4.5 yards per pass against the Chiefs. The next week against the Browns in a game they won, he averaged 2.7. Right. Like, he's an NFL quarterback. That's like, us, boys. If he has it in him to go off, <laughs> right? <laughs> if he has it in him on to go to, to go off, what has he been waiting for the last 17 games? If you think about right? that 2.7, like, that is the equivalent of if, if he hit a guy at the line of scrimmage, the guy took one step and then just fell on his face and stretched the ball out in front of his head. Right. That, I mean, that's 2.7. Right. Like, and yeah. they somehow scored, and they, but game, they won that game, which is a lesson of the Chiefs. Do not turn the ball over. How'd the Browns lose that game? Turnovers, Mayfield taking sacks you shouldn't have taken. All of a sudden, like, just play the game. Be smart, move on, you'll be fine. <laughs> play the game, and don't make huge mistakes. 24 completions for 123 yards, a 2.7 average, his longest pass of the day in a league with – Superstar athletes who can catch and run, and you get credit for that as well. Thirteen yards. It's impossible. Like that's, it's that's like, <laughs> it's impossible. It's impossible. I, I I'm so like look. 
I'm just I'm not for the bullshit narratives. And you see them all the time because everybody's gonna fill airtime and all these networks. I'm like, oh well, what if he has this moment? He's not having a moment. Like, it's not happening. If they have, if he has a moment, it's gonna be donated to him by the Chiefs and TJ Watt having like five sacks in this game. And here's an interesting stat actually that I don't have in front. I tweeted out. So if you want to go back on the exact numbers, I tweeted out the exact numbers. The, the Steelers lead the league in sacks. The Chiefs are like 30th. But according to Pro Football Reference, which is an awesome, awesome place to go and find all kinds of numbers that can help back up your, your acumen understanding the league, and it certainly helps me a lot. The Chiefs are top 10 in pressure rate, quarterback knockdown rate, and hurry rate. The Steelers rank outside the top 10 in all those things. So they're amazing at finishing. Like If they get near you, they get home. But the Chiefs actually generate more pressure than the Steelers, which was mind-blowing to me. I could not believe that was a real thing. I was shocked. I actually went into looking for that stat because I wanted to see what the disparity was in favor of the Steelers. The Chiefs get more pressure across the board. Now, again, the Steelers, they, they blitz about middle of the road. Chiefs blitz a lot more, so that's part of it, okay? But I was surprised by that. The Steelers' schedule has not been anywhere near as hard as the Chiefs' schedule. And one point to something Patrick said at the beginning of the, the podcast, which I thought was interesting, you reeled off who they beat and they lost to. I want to do that from a quarterback's perspective. So week one, they beat Josh Allen in a game that was was muddled up, but fine. They beat Josh Allen, right? Since week one, Steelers won eight games. Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback they've beaten. They beat Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill did not have A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, or Derrick Henry in that game. The, the Titans are in the wall over four times, and they lost because they lost by at the 10-yard line in a five-point game. Tannehill, Jackson, Allen, right? Then you get Justin Fields. I almost said Jared Goff. Jared Goff was the tie, all right? <laughs> then, then, then you get Mayfield twice. You get Tyler Hunley. Uh, you get Teddy Bridgewater. And I'm blind. who is the ninth guy? It was somebody else who was not uh, overwhelmingly good. Um, oh, God, who was it? Oh, it was Geno Smith. Geno Smith. <laughs> that falls oh, in the quarterback. So it's Allen week one, <laughs> yeah. credit, fine, whatever. Give him credit, right, for that. After that, it literally is like the worst possible quarterbacks you can think of. Jackson with no help around them and Tannehill missing like 19 guys. Here are the quarterbacks they lost to. Tell me if you find the common thread to this. Burrow, Burrow again, Cousins, Rodgers, Herbert, Carr, and I'm blanking on the seventh one. I'm trying to do the seventh one was real quick. Um... Oh, God, who was the seventh one they lost to? Did you say Mahomes? Mahomes. Right. Yeah. Like, what is the common threat? That guy. Any shitty quarterback or a quarterback who is – a cheese or a quarterback who has nobody around them, they, they can beat. The second they play a quarterback who is even like average and up, it's a complete wrap. And if you go and look at those games that they've lost, Chargers scored over 40. The Chiefs destroyed them. The Bengals destroyed them twice. Carr threw for over 400 yards and destroyed them. I, you go on down like Cousins threw for a million yards in that game. Or, excuse me, I shouldn't say threw for a million yards in that game. Cousins was up 29 nothing in that game. Of course, Steelers made it interesting late, mostly because Cousins is Cousins and throw a pick six. And then Rodgers, they, they laid waste them at Lambeau. They, none of these games against upper echelon quarterbacks have they been able to even remotely slow down any of these teams. And by the way, Watt was in, I believe, all those games, maybe he missed one. So like this, I, I think he missed the Chargers game with COVID. Every other game, like they've been there. They've had their guys. They've not slowed down anybody with a good quarterback the entire season outside of Allen. And I watched that game week one. Allen missed throw after throw after throw because it was a wind tunnel that day. If, if the Chiefs play well in this game, I mean, come on now. Like, th this, this should not be something where we're white-knuckling it in the fourth quarter.
really should not be the case. I got a stat here for you. Ben Roethlisberger is three and four in wild card in the wild card round. He's tied with Peyton Manning and Andy Dalton for the most such losses in NFL. Well, he's history. about to tack on the fifth. How about that? <laughs> um, all right, let's get to our uh, keys to the game. And we'll start with you, Sterling. What is your key to the Chiefs getting a victory? Don't turn the ball over. That's it. Take That's care of the football. Kick. Yeah, just don't ha- don't lose a turnover battle by what two plus. They might even get away with two, three plus, as long as they aren't trying to force the ball downfield, getting picked off. As long as we're not seeing McCole Harbin fumbles, that's it. That is it. I totally agree. And by the way, we're being asked by uh, by. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to pronounce your name wrong, so I hate when people do it to me. But Guillerme, uh, I hope I got that close, man. Uh, did you guys have any notice about Hill or or Clyde? Yeah, Hill was limited today in practice. Clyde did not practice, so they both went a step backwards. Hopefully. That's just rest, but we're not sure. Look, I can't, I couldn't agree more with Sterling. I'm not even going to waste time. Just don't turn the ball over. If they don't do that, they're going to win this game. And that's why I said earlier, just be conservative. Like, run the ball, throw it underneath, let guys run after the catch, chip Watt. Like, if you don't make a bunch of mistakes in this game, you're winning. You're winning. It's not to knock the Steelers or be an overconfident jerk. Or anything. They're just so much better than Pittsburgh. Come on. this. I mean, this isn't team. rocket science. But if you want to give me some, if you want me to give you something other than the, other than not being themselves, stop Najee Harris on the ground because if Roethlisberger's got to throw the ball in this game, as we've detailed at nauseum here, it's over. So maybe maybe it's that. And by the way, Nick Bolton did not play against the Steelers. He had COVID last time. I think Nick Bolton could be a huge factor in this game. Nick Bolton has been excellent all year. Leads the team in tackles. For me, my key to this game for the Chiefs pretty simple: score twenty four points. If they score twenty four yeah, points. They're almost certainly going to win. The Steelers are 8-0-1 and and when allowing fewer than 24 points this season, 1-7 when allowing 24-plus points. This speaks to everything that we've been talking about on this podcast. Their offense is not good, primarily because of their quarterback. They have a tough time scoring. Their best player is on the defensive side of the ball. It's T.J. Watt. If you're able to, you let the Steelers make the game ugly. If you turn the football over, if the weather's bad, all those types of things that can lead to a low scoring game in the NFL, that's the Steelers' best chance to win. If the Chiefs go out there and they play even a, a mediocre day of offense for themselves and they go and score 24 points, the Steelers probably aren't going to be able to keep up. And lastly, I'll, I'll say this the Chiefs have allowed 10 points or fewer in five straight home games, which is the longest streak in NFL history. So if the defense gets home and gets its mojo back, it's it's just hard to see where the Steelers have a chance in this game. Um, We're going to get to our score predictions in just a second. Let us know in the chat, if you would, uh, your score predictions. Hit that thumbs up on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed. And by the way, if you are interested in hanging out with us, talking in Discord, uh, we have a private members-only Discord. If you want to become an Arrowhead Addict supporter and member, check out the Join button. We appreciate that. If you really want to help us out, Without uh, without giving us any money, the best thing you can do is buy some KC beer and hit right. up KC beer on Twitter. They're at KC Beer Co. Email them. Go into the brew house and and tell them you heard about their KC beer on the Arrowhead Attic podcast. I can't tell you they're loving the partnership with us, and it's not because of us; it's because of you guys. You know, you guys send us a lot of nice messages and chats and 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 the super chats. And by the way, thank you uh, to Will and to and to X Fresh for your super chats. You guys are the reasons we do this podcast. And and when you support us like that, like it's it's super meaningful, whether you're sending one of us a letter or a care package, which has happened yep. and is incredible, or you're 
you're leaving um, great reviews for us on Apple Podcasts or reaching out to our sponsor to let them know that you appreciate that they're supporting us. That's that's what makes it all worth. Like that jacks us up so much. We talk about it. We get so excited to do the show for you guys that to know that you have our backs is is really meaningful to us. So thank you. All right, let's get to our final score predictions here. We'll start with you, Verram. How's this one going to so play? I'll get to it in one second. I want. I found that that statistic. I want to give quick. Um, so the Steelers, like I said, they okay. have fifty five sacks. They lead the league. They rank 18th in hurry rate, 25th in quarterback knockdown rate, 12th in pressure rate, which, again, comes from pro football reference. The Chiefs are 30th in sacks, but are third in hurry rate, 7th in quarterback knockdown rate, and 5th in pressure rate, which I found interesting. Also, just a little a little fun nugget on uh, on history and everything else, because we've talked a lot about this. The Chiefs, they opened as a 13-point favorite. It's the biggest in NFL history in this round. Since the merger in 1970, there have been 58 playoff teams would have been a double or 58 playoff games with a double digit favorite. Those teams are 48 and 10 straight up against the spread. They are 34, 23 and one. So history on the side of the Chiefs, not only to win, but to cover. And so that leads me into my score prediction. Uh, I think the Chiefs will win. I think they will cover. I think it's 30, almost knocked over the bureau. Although it's empty at this point. Uh, 33, 16. I think the Chiefs win. They cover. Oh. I don't think it's even as close as the score sounds. I think it's marked 33 to 9, and then the Steelers tackling on. Look, I, in the end, I think the Steelers can make some plays with their defensive front. They have some really good players. Watts, amazing. Hayward's awesome. Wormley's underrated. The problem is, I don't think they can cover the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs' offensive line, look, they spent a lot of money this offseason and a lot of draft capital to fix it. I think you're going to see why in this playoff game. So, I think they at least hold their own in that battle, if not flat out win it. On the flip side, I think once this game becomes a, a situation where Roethlisberger just has to drop back and throw, they are obviously, as we've talked about, not equipped to do that. So I think the Chiefs run away with this one. I think maybe it's a little close early. Maybe it's one of those things where early you're like, all right, it's 10-3, it's the beginning of the second quarter, and then all of a sudden it's just one of those like touchdown, punt, touchdown, and that that's the end. I think the Chiefs win, and I think they win handily. I love it. I'm going to give somebody else the last word for once. So uh, I'm going to go next. I'm going to go Chiefs 31, Steelers 17. I think Roethlisberger is going to come out chucking. Maybe he gets a pass interference, um, you know, trying to go out in a blaze of glory. Steelers have a great day for themselves on offense and score 17 points, but they can't stop the Chiefs. And Kansas City moves on to host the divisional round, which will be uh, will be good for all of us. Sterling? So I'm taking one score from Matts and one score from Patrick. I'm going 31-16 Chiefs. I think Boswell either misses an extra point or they try to go for two and it does not pan out. Mm. I think we're going to see Chad Henney kneeling the ball in the fourth quarter. I think we'll, we'll see Chad Henney under two minutes coming in, taking the kneel as uh, Casey moves on. I, I know – Pittsburgh, we, we've talked all night long about how bad Big Ben is, and for good reason. He's still a Hall of Fame quarterback. He still has had an incredible career, and I don't want to take it lightly when we say he could potentially pull something out with good receivers. I just don't credibly see it happening. Mahomes is too good. This defense, like you said, is on point, especially at home over the past five weeks. Chiefs win easily. I, I will say one thing the Chiefs need to watch out for. I know Roethlisberger was tongue in cheek. We don't have a chance and, and all that stuff. But but there is some he wouldn't think that if he didn't know that there was some truth to that. And he's been around a long time. Mike Tomlin's a very good coach. The Steelers. Do you remember when the Chiefs like years ago? I can't remember who was the quarterback at the time. They were playing the Colts 
and and you know Peyton Manning was still there, and they came out and like they knew they needed to like steal possessions and score as many points as possible to have a prayer. I think Brody Croyle was a quarterback, and they like they did try to not surprise on that game. Kick it, was, it was uh, it was week four, yeah. twenty ten. It was Castle. <laughs> Castle, yeah, and that, it was a game, and it was it, it was a really good game plan by the Chiefs. I think they they made it you know somewhat interesting. Clearly overmatched. Manning did his thing. This is one of those games, and it's the playoffs. And we talked about the, these are empty the playbook games, throw the kitchen sink games. Like the Chiefs, the the Steelers know they need to score points to beat the Chiefs, and they know that they're going to probably need to steal a couple possessions or or trick the Chiefs. So the Chiefs need to watch out for flea flickers. They need to watch out for. You know, hook and ladders, trick plays. They need to watch out for surprise on onside kicks, fake fake punts. If the Steelers are in any kind of fourth and short, the, the, you know, and they're and they're punting, the Chiefs need to be ready for a fake because the, the Steelers have nothing to lose and they know it. They know they shouldn't be here. Right? Like they are really lucky to be in the playoffs. So fuck it, right? Like why wouldn't you just do some crazy stuff? And the Chiefs need to make sure they don't get caught with their pants down. Mike Tomlin turning into Brandon Staley. We're about to see some fourth and ones yeah, on their right. own 18. Be, yeah. <laughs> eight. On their own eight. I said it earlier. I'm, I mean, yeah, absolutely. They, they need to be ready for anything in this game. Because if you're Pittsburgh, you're right. You have nothing to lose. And Tomlin, I mean, he would never, of course, say this, but he's not. He's a great coach. He's not dumb. He understands, like, yeah, they're going to need some things to go their way. And let's just call it what it is. Let's be honest. Like, the bottom line is the Kansas City Chiefs are a much better football team than the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are better offensively. They're better defensively. They're better on special teams. They're a better football team. If they're at home, they even have an extra day of rest if you care about that. Like they should roll the Steelers in this game. And the one thing, and we, oh, look, we got to go, but the one thing we did not touch on that I do think matters, we all know that in the playoffs with the Chiefs, we're about to see about a dozen plays we've never seen from them. Andy always has stuff saved, cooked up, whatever. Do they use a ton of it against Pittsburgh? They might. I mean, look, they're not they're not considering this like, oh, it's over. I mean, Andy's gonna look at this game and go, look, we, we gotta have it. We gotta have it. We gotta win. We gotta do whatever we need to do. And and fresh, thanks for the super chat, man. You guys run the rest of the Pittsburgh defense. Look, I, I think they're I think the front four is really good. Uh, and and Fitzpatrick's great. But I just it's not that I underestimate the defense. I just I think the offense can't score enough. Like, even if Pittsburgh plays well and the Chiefs score 24, 27 points, it's probably enough. I think it's enough. So I, I, I don't know, man. I Look, to me, this is all about the Chiefs. If the Chiefs go out and just play a reasonably good football game, they're going on. That's it. Yeah, agreed. Um, by the way, we got a new, a new member. Welcome, J-Word. We'll see you in the Discord, man. Appreciate the support. Before we go, as we always promise, if you leave us a five-star review on Apple or ask us a question, we're going to read it on the podcast, and we, we, we got to get to it. So this one uh, came from Monday. Uh, uh, Sterling actually sent this to us all. came in on Monday from Scotty. 3487. I look forward to this podcast every week. It helps me get away from the world and focus on the only thing that matters, the Chiefs. Amen to that. I'm, I've been a Chiefs fan because of my dad, who was a huge fan, who sadly passed away when I was eight years old. So I took the torch, but one of his favorite snacks was Count Chocula. If you watch this podcast, you know we have an affinity for the seasonal uh, monster cereal. Um, he would sneak it He would sneak it in the house so my mom wouldn't yell at him and, and enjoyed it so much to the point that he had a small stuffed figure of the Count Chocula mascot that he would keep on a shelf in his office. If I can find it, I will mail it out to you guys. For Sterling, I love the drum heads. I've been playing drums for 12 years and I love seeing those hung up. So please continue with the 80s rock references. Go Chiefs. Well, you know, Vertoram is a, uh, he, 
he's a Chiefs fan because of his dad. Oh, yeah. And 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 those kinds of uh, relationships are important. We're glad that this pro- provides an escape for you. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, we hope it we hope it keeps doing so. I appreciate the review. It was an, an awesome review. And 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 that's the nicest thing anybody said in a rev- in a review about Sterling. Uh, since the guy went off on uh, how he did the manscaped reads from back in the day. <laughs> first <laughs> off, dude, first off, yeah. what am I? I'm talking about shaving balls over here. What am I supposed to do? Yep. I want to come off like a hey, douche. You're preaching, you're preaching to the choir. Well, um, you're preaching to the choir. Uh, yeah. I, uh, we're much better off with Casey Beard, I will say. And really appreciate <laughs> the, uh, the the review. And listen, you, you keep that, keep that, uh, that, that figurine of the count close. You know, it's yeah, something you yeah. should have. So, um, thank yeah. you, thank you very much. And hey, listen, it's it's been great to get to know everybody through the course of the year, and now uh, we get to know everybody uh, a little bit more here as they roll through the playoffs. So, first first stop, Arrowhead Stadium, Pittsburgh, Sunday night. See what happens. Yeah, and we got one more quick from Clint Clint McKenzie. The best cheese podcast has somehow gotten even better. The guys spend more and more time interacting with the fans. Their chemistry, both with fans and each other, is palpable palpable don't miss a single episode of the podcast and be sure to watch on youtube you'll be glad you did yeah just to echo what matt said we appreciate you guys so much and look this is i feel a little bit weird because i feel like you know i feel feel like it's like a locker room halftime speech like we should say something like even though we're all confident the chiefs are going to win it's the last time we're we're uh we're all going to be together uh for our preview show before the game happens although actually i think we may do a little preview show for you guys right before the game so look out for information on that but if for some reason that falls through and it's been so much fun. I know the Chiefs are going to get this win for us, and uh, we'll be here for you afterwards, no matter what. Absolutely, well uh, said. All right. Any part? Any part? Any parting words from you, Sterling? Let's go, Chiefs, baby. Fuck the Steelers. Let's get the dub. I don't care what you have to do. Come away <laughs> with it. I don't care if it's a blowout. If it's a one point game, move on. That's it. Win the game. Doesn't matter in the playoffs. Doesn't matter what it looks like. Win the football game. Yeah. And, and and for me, it is send that son of a bitch, Ben Roethlisberger, back to Pittsburgh for good. Send him home. End his career. It's like one of those WWE matches, you know, the retirement matches. With uh, Did you see the one with uh, with Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair, where Shawn Michaels retired Ric Flair? There's the great gif of, like, Ric Flair's, like, climbing up Shawn Michaels' leg, and he's like, I'm sorry, and he kicks him in the head <laughs> and pins him. That's what I want to see on hey. Sunday. Kick Ben Roethlisberger in the head figuratively, and win the game. Two years ago, who knew that it was Andrew Luck's last game? Happened at Arrowhead. That's, oh, that's right. Oh, we can make a graveyard. We could start making a graveyard for they Halloween. They beat the hell out of Indy, and everybody's like, man, it's going to be a big rivalry. And Andrew's like, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to go home. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for ending my career, guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Thank you, everybody. We will see you on Sunday for the uh, Ben Roethlisberger Retirement Party celebration. Until then, for Sterling Holmes, Matt Connor, my name is Patrick Allen. We'll see you Sunday this weekend. Uh, Go Chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.